Hey, Wisconsin, this is Jeff Santos. I host a show in Boston. 2 to 5 Central Time on Tuesdays, Robert Craig joins me on JeffSantosShow.com and radio stations around the country. Of course, I talk all the time with Robert Craig, and he doesn't get to be heard in Wisconsin. But we need to get a bigger voice and a bigger megaphone. Wisconsin Radio doesn't have progressive voices. So join me and join at CitizenActionWI.org to make sure that your voice is heard. Give Wisconsin a chance to hear the other side, the true side. Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the deputy director here at Citizen Action, and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have our full panel, although Robert is not with us in the high-tech recording studios here at the Battleground podcast, but Jorna Taylor is, and Jorna is a nonprofit consultant here in Wisconsin. Jorna, welcome. Uh, good morning from the extremely high-tech Citizen Action yes. podcast recording studio. Hey, hey, you're at the lunch table here at Citizen <laughs> Action. And uh, joining us from uh, Washington, D.C., I believe, is Robert Craig, Executive Director here at Citizen Action. Robert? Uh, good morning, everyone. And Matt, I think you know that the conference, that was USA conference, the big uh, conference for healthcare advocates nationally, is indeed uh, only steps from the Capitol in Washington, D.C. So, and you'll have a little bit more for us about some of uh, some of what you've heard already at the conference and, and its importance here in Wisconsin, but we'll talk a little bit more about that later. I do uh, want to thank uh, Jeff Santos for the introduction, uh, encouraging people to come to our Radioactive fundraiser next week. We'll have someone from the Radioactive effort to the cooperative here at Citizen Action on later. That's Ted Craig, actually, Robert, your brother. So with that, we want to talk with our first guest, and that is uh, Kim Schrader. Kim is the president of the Milwaukee Teachers Education Association. Uh, Kim, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. Thanks for the invite. So the reason we have Kim on is uh, next week, there's a very important day uh, here throughout, not only in Milwaukee, but throughout the country for around what's happening in public education here in Milwaukee specifically. Kim, why don't you tell everybody about the day when it is and why you guys are doing this? On February 17th, uh, we will be walking in for public schools. Uh, we've done this in the past. Uh, we did this in the fall. And what a walk-in generally is, is parents, students, community members, and educators at the school walking in saying, we're proud of our public school. We want public school services for every single child, and nobody's going to come and take away our, our school. Last time in Milwaukee, we had up 105 schools participate, and it actually has spread. Um, this time, we'll be doing... Uh, similar in Milwaukee, our goal is 120 schools and we're well on our way, but it's not just in Milwaukee. Uh, this battle that we're fighting here is nationwide and other cities around the country will be joining us. Um, right now we're up to 38 cities that will be walking in with us, um, each with their own issue, but all similar issues of protecting public schools. So we have Chicago, St. Paul, Atlanta, Austin, Los Angeles, Seattle, and on and on and on. Um, and in Wisconsin, we have Racine, Green Bay, uh, a couple little cities up near Wausau, Toma, Wisconsin, signed on yesterday to walk in for their public schools. So we're very excited about this. And so specifically, right, in Milwaukee, we're talking about, and again, in, not in a number of these other cities, uh, vouchers, privatization. 
But in Milwaukee, we also have the the efforts to take over the public schools with the Milwaukee County Executive. I assume this is also a part of that uh, that day. It definitely is. Uh, the takeover here is meant to end public schools in Milwaukee. Uh, the legislation that was put out by uh, Dale Koyinga and Alberta Darling has one goal. It is to remove public schools from the city. And that is where this started, where we had we felt that the community needed to stand up and the community has, and they've stood up in a big way and will c continue this fight. Um, and you know, with the takeover, we'll see where it goes. Um, Chris Abley has said certain things, and his commissioner that he appointed, Demond Means, has come out and given other messages. And I think trust in this is a big issue. So what if someone's listening to this podcast and they're like, hey, well, I'd, I'd like to try that at my school. How would someone get involved if maybe they're not on this extensive list of uh, folks who are already participating? Call the MTA office, go to the MTEA webpage at mtea.org, and we will get you set up. We actually have a real easy to-do list <laughs> of how you go through setting this up at your school, and we also have an action network set up to, to have an online presence as well. So obviously you're going to have this walk-in day, which it sounds like we're well on our way to being very successful. And again, we want to encourage our listeners, please get involved in this. If, if you live in the Milwaukee area, as, as Kim said, there's a ton of schools, but, but get your school involved. And it's definitely not too late um, to, to get involved in this, definitely uh, if you live anywhere in Wisconsin. So tell me, though, after this day, what's next? What, what should folks who are really on the vanguard of trying to protect public education ought to, ought to be doing, or what, what do you see as critical? And what's next uh, immediately is Saturday, February 20th, we're having an all-city convening of our school defense councils and anybody else who actually wants to be involved. We're going to meet at MATC at 9 o'clock, and we're going to do a pro-public school action um, saying you're not taking away any of our schools. And we're going to use that also then to build... Um, because we know everything, as much as we hate to admit it, uh, everything in education ends up being political. And we have a huge county executive race uh, this spring, and we will be using our members and our allies and our communities to make sure we elect the candidate that is for public schools, and that is Chris Larson. So if people want to get involved in that, is there uh, any recommendations, or how do they get involved in, in that effort? Uh, the Chris Larson effort? Do, yeah. do you okay. have any canvassing going on or phone yes. banking going on at the MTA office, might I say? Yes. Uh, if you wish to get involved, uh, you can you can work through us, but we are actually working through and working with Working Families Party. Uh, we have phone banking every night at the MTEA office, um, pretty much from at 4 o'clock till 8.30, and um, canvassing every weekend. Uh, from 10 o'clock until 6, stop by our office. We'll, we have a lot of work to do, um, and if you want to make some calls or do some doors for the candidates, come on out. Um, it's it's going to be a fun race. So, and we'll have links to how you can get more involved, and for folks who are interested in hearing more about the Working Families Party and that election, we're going to have a special podcast that'll be running that will be an interview with Ian Biddle from the Working Families Party talking about the spring election, so uh, I encourage folks to listen to that. Kim, I want to thank you for everything you guys do at the MTA in terms of organizing educators and, and parents and everyone uh, in support of public education, and thanks for joining us. 
Thank you for having me, and I want to thank Citizen Action for all the great work you all do. Thanks, Kim. So we have a we have a lot to talk about this week, but we wanted to get started with a piece of legislation that moved incredibly swift, came out of nowhere. We thought <laughs> parts of this stuff was dead, but essentially it's a number of bills, a couple of bills, I believe at least, uh, that are going to, on the upside, allow online registration, but... On the downside, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, the ability to have what are called uh, SRDs, the technical term, but it's special deputies who are regular folks like you and I who go out and get deputized by a municipality to register people. Sounds like that's going to be taken away, Jorna. Tell us more about this and other aspects of this uh, legislation that moved yesterday uh, through committee. Yeah, so the... The assembly version had essentially died that would have banned special registration deputies. And, and let's be clear who those are. Those are the folks like the League of Women Voters who go to the naturalization ceremonies and register new voters, who sit at the library and register new voters or people who have moved. It's not aimed at, you know, these partisan infiltrators from out of state who, you know, are just registering voters for their side. I mean, so it, it is targeting nonpartisan folks. So with 24 hours notice, the Senate Committee on Elections and Local Government, I think is the official name, uh, introduced a substitute amendment, the sub, on this bill and brought it back to committee. Now, the sub, as we will call it, was not just one thing. It had combined a ton of bills and pieces to make one sort of omnibus package of some goodness, as you mentioned, Matt. We do want online voter registration to be an option, but it also does do away with any sort of ability of nonpartisan organizations to do independent voter registration for all intents and purposes. It bans local municipalities from deputizing everyday citizens from trying to help their communities by doing voter registration. And they introduced this sub-amendment with 24 hours, and it's a 55-page amendment to a dead bill, essentially. I was hoping you had read it, because I definitely I read not. a lot of it. So I, I, I just read articles about it. So I now, sat I through the committee meeting, um, and you know, I could read you some of my notes about the chairman where I my notes actually say he is a fascist and a pompous, arrogant jerk. OK, well, uh, thank you for those <laughs> insights. Probably very accurate. Um, you know, but I think the, the main thing here is is some folks will say, well, this isn't going to end voter registration. You know, you can you can still just take an iPad out there and, and you can just register voters there. Well, you can't register them online if they don't have a. Wisconsin DOT, either state ID or um, driver's license. And it's also an opportunity when we go out and do voter registration drives, there have been so many election law changes. It's an opportunity for us to have a conversation with folks about all of these changes. And the state legislature is putting no money behind any advertising or publicity around any of these election law changes, including photo ID. So it's really going to hurt voter participation in a really important year to get people out to the polls. Yeah, this stuff specifically hits Milwaukee in areas where we have communities that move a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's worth pointing out that this the, one of the bad pieces is this thing's going to require everyone to re-register when they change their address as a, before you could you could just um, uh, 
uh, have it transferred. Right. So now you got to re-register. It's just you know trying to make things a little more complicated. It's not truly about expanding it's democracy mean, and access to voting. It's mean spirited. It's aimed at folks who already you know tend to be only presidential year voters who are potentially disenfranchised from the process from the get go. You know it's aimed at folks that the GOP majority think aren't ever going to be with them. I don't know. Maybe they could put forward some good ideas and that might help. Robert. Well, and another thing to point out is that low-income people have a lot more housing insecurity, and so they move a lot more. And uh, anyone who's ever dealt with uh, with uh, in, in unions that represent low-wage workers knows that their address has changed a great deal. It's not out of their desire to move. It's out of literally housing insecurity and not being able to afford to stay in the same apartment. And so that, and whereas middle-class people tend to stay in the same places, uh, for years and years and years, much more often, and of course they're more likely to have photo IDs. So the, 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 the right-wing talk show hosts get all upset whenever we say this, but when you talk about Jim Crow, people think of Jim Crow when we're going, thinking 50 years ago, as some sort of, as, as, as some sort of uh, gigantic thing that simply physically prevented anyone from voting, which it did in large effect. I'm certain, certainly once we had violence in the 60s, but what it really was, that was built up, it was a series of small little restrictions and barriers and steps, which taken as a whole, disenfranchise whole class of people. And that's what we're looking at right here. This is the same kind of tactics uh, which were used to implement Jim Crow in the late 19th and early 20th century and exclude African-American voting in this country. It has a horrible history, and it's, I will say it again, it is absolutely stunning that we have a political party in Wisconsin that's decided that it's passed the power is to undermine the most sacred thing in the United States of America, that is the right to vote, that is the fundamental element of our democracy and, and our claim to fame in the whole world as far as the country that created the first large-scale democracy. So it's stunning, and it continues. Well, we're going to continue to try and watch this. Uh, I know there'll probably be a lot of public pressure now on this bill, but obviously they can do whatever they want, and it appears they're going to push this through, given the 24 hours, right? Oh. I mean, there's there's no there's no real openness here. This is this is kind of a done deal. But. There was a there was a fascinating moment actually during the committee meeting yesterday, where the chair um, Lemayhew was uh, questioned by Senator Fred Risser about whether or not he could accept. Um, Emotion, and the rule was that no, he as the chair doesn't have to accept any motions made by anyone at any time during his committee meeting. Which you know, and he was like, "I'm just gonna pass this now," you know. So it just speaks to how fast this is gonna move. Well, we will obviously continue to watch any any of these activities that will unfortunately continue here as it relates to people's ability to get out and vote, and uh, obviously a critical aspect of uh, our democracy. We want to talk about a couple other things that are uh, happening in the legislature. In particular, um, last week, it's connected to polling. Scott Walker's numbers continue to lag uh, severely uh, in the Marquette poll. Um, it's worth pointing out Russ Feingold uh, in that same Marquette poll was also showing a significant uh, lead, I believe, four, 13 or 14 points over um, uh, uh, current Senator Johnson. Um, but back to the state, not only are the poll numbers lagging, but uh, it appears Governor Walker and uh, the Republican leadership are bracing and preparing the public for a lousy uh, next state budget in 2017 and already declaring that this is the economy is not going to turn around and um, they have apparently no answers 
for the economic situation that we face, Jorna. But Matt, I'm confused. <laughs> well, this is what they're saying, Jorna. Whoa, I'm, just, I'm whoa. just here to report. I'm sorry, I'm confused because I thought that the Walker Jobs plan has been just working wonders here in Wisconsin. And you, you haven't been listening. Robert's been pointing out that's just for the wealthy, well connected. Oh, because I think the most them. fascinating thing is is that message that the jobs plan here is working and then we just don't have enough workers or we have lazy people who don't want jobs. That should be um, contradicted here by this statement by uh, Senator Fitzgerald that says the economy is not going to continue to soar. It's going to lag. And uh, look, this happens, as you just said, a couple of weeks like, after we've been happening. They're running around trumpeting. And by the way, the listening tour that was announced yeah. during the state of state. Well, that turned out to be we now know what that was. <laughs> it was a closed, very tight. Uh, PR show to go around and talk about how there's, as we talked about on previous podcasts, all of these jobs that the shiftless lazy people won't take. Well, apparently... Uh, no, it's actually it's a, bad, it's a bad economy, according to Fitzgerald. Robert, have you have you seen any of these comments? I know you've been out on the East Coast. Uh, well, I'm just stunned at here that it wasn't a real listening tour. I know that the governor is notorious for his listening skills and his interest in hearing and representing and governing for the whole state. Um, it's also just stunning and unbelievable that, let's see, giving away $400 million uh, to make a political point on Badger Care, having a half-billion-dollar unaccountable tax cut to uh, manufacturers that actually allows you to outsource and claim it, and which Johnson Controls can claim when doing corporate inversion, uh, that all of that combined is going to lead to a, and a budget problem next year. And it raises the question of whether Governor Walker even plans to be around to introduce this budget. Because uh, the thing is, I mean, despite all of his, his state of the state claims that he has returned uh, fiscal, you know, soundness and discipline to the state, everyone knows the things that political house of cards that was designed to launch him in his uh, his run for president, which we know we all know how that turned out. So the only problem with the real low uh, polling numbers and the approval rating here is, is that if his if his polling numbers go back into the 40s, he'll be claiming to be the comeback hit. Watch. Yeah, and well, by just sheer demographics, right? It's kind of hard to envision to they, to go lower. He's he's turns into Gray Davis. Oh, ouch! So, anyways, with that, we're gonna move to uh, the federal uh, election landscape, and we had some big news this week. Eighth congressional district, Reed Ribble. He's not running again, and and Reed, uh, one of the rare Republicans who. He pulled out of the Freedom Caucus. We'll talk more about them later in Paul Ryan Watch, just a little teaser. Um, but And had been known to occasionally challenge the Republicans and had flat out said uh, Trump would be a disaster. And I think he might have even been one who suggested he would vote for Hillary over, over Trump. I don't know if he went that far. But nonetheless, Reed Ribble um, is not going to run for re-election. Now, this is not a... A, what you would classically call a split or um, 50-50 seat, but it's a seat that Democrats have recently had it's and close. is definitely winnable. So, Jorna, you're our top political honk here. Uh, <laughs> give us your <laughs> handicap. Where, do, where, where does, where does this uh, fit into the, the whole panoramic of a fine gold presidential uh, 
and, and Green Bay being important. Well, let me be very clear. Uh, the 8th Congressional District does encompass Door County, Wisconsin. Oh, yes. Home of Jeff and Jerry Taylor. So yes, yes. look for an announcement soon from uh, one of my parents. Just kidding. <laughs> um, I mean, look, everybody who is paying any attention to politics in a presidential year knows that there is a lot of attention paid on the Green Bay media market and that candidates have to stump there because it's, I believe it's the largest area-wise in the entire state. It has growing pockets of more progressive activism in Green Bay and, you know, and frankly in places like Door County and then moving south into um, the parts that are in Outagamie County. You know, the names are being kicked around. Some I'm more excited about than others, but it's all pure speculation at this point of who's going to get in. I don't I'm pretty sure no one saw this coming or we would have had a candidate lined up ready to go by now. Because let's be clear, this is late in the game. Robert, have you? I, I assume you're, uh, there may even be some discussion there in uh, Washington circles about this race. Is it anyone talking about this now? Uh, I, I'm sorry to report they're only talking about Russ Feingold uh, <laughs> and Ron Johnson, at least to me so far, but I'm here another couple days. Uh, so not, not just the national radar screen that I know of, but, uh, you know, we know that Roger Roth, the state senator, will not be running. He tweeted that yesterday, a uh, shocking loss to the country that he won't offer himself <laughs> uh, to the House of Representatives. I'm being sarcastic today. Are you? And then, uh, yeah, it's just a little. And, uh, you know, but there is a lot of talk about John Nygren, uh, so that would be interesting. Uh, he's He's an arch uh, opponent of everything healthcare as a, as a former health insurance broker and uh, and is an arch opponent that wants to repeal the Affordable Care Act and uh, for everyone, uh, 200,000 people off health insurance in Wisconsin. So we'll see if he actually runs. I don't think that's a great platform. I, I should say, because we have a potential, uh, uh, potential uh, citizen action related candidate, I, I haven't heard anything from him. Uh, but former congressman, two-term congressman Steve Kagan is on the Citizen Action Board. He's certainly a potential candidate. I have no idea whether Dr. Kagan actually is interested in making another run, but uh, there it is. Uh, this is a seat, uh, speaking of uh, trying to figure out whether this is a winnable seat, it is a seat that Obama carried his first term, I believe, by like four points or so. No, even more. And then Romney carried it last cycle. Um, during a non-presidential, it is a difficult seat to keep, as I believe the congressman, uh, Congressman Kagan, found out. But nonetheless, this this will be something we're going to continue to watch. We'll see as uh, candidates announce. I think Penny Bernard Shaber was also had been uh, thrown in there. Uh, former uh, state rep from the uh, Appleton area. But again, we'll just have to continue to watch. It should be very interesting. Um, with that, though, Jorna, we got to talk about Paul Ryan. Really? Oh, how we can't. We can't go a week without Paul Ryan no. and Paul Ryan Watch. Ryan Watch. Ryan Watch. Paul Ryan is trying to do was was trying to do a little peacemaking, although I'm not sure. <laughs> he fed his, them junk food. His peacemaking skills are are, are were, were very good. It sounds like uh, he was going to he had a sit down with the Freedom Caucus. Uh, this is the very right wing conservative part of uh, his 
uh, Republican uh, House. And uh, how'd it go? I'm sure it went very well. Paul's a very persuasive individual, and, you know, he's good-looking. Yeah. And they, a social media star, so I assume it went well, right? Yeah, they he's, came away yeah. as besties, okay. and they traded, you know, friendship necklaces, and now we're going to have a budget. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sweet. <laughs> That's not what happened. The junk food high that he apparently tried to put them on, according to Huffington Post, did not work. And there is still dissension among the freedom, yeah. <laughs> at quotes, freedom, freedom caucus uh, uh, and Paul Ryan. You know, and I, I have to say that perhaps this uh, disagreement in policy and anger that they feel toward him might have something to do with the fact that he was the keynote at the Heritage thing last week and uh, basically said that conservatives need to stop trying to repeal Obamacare while the president in office is named Obama. (laughs) 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 That, you know, they really needed to come on board and support the budget that the leadership of both parties had agreed to back in October and that basically folks needed to kind of like get into line and do something for America. And you know what that didn't ring of to the to the conservatives? I'm surprised. Freedom. Yeah, that's <laughs> I was say, that's hard to believe given the first thing he did was repeal Obamacare yeah, for the hundred and <laughs> one million without time. any plan to repeal. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So more fun with Paul Ryan. We'll of course continue to watch his uh, how how things go for him, and I I don't know, Jorna. Any new rumors of him running for president now that uh, Trump uh, came in second in Iowa and the cruise missile is uh, launched with Rubio trying to hang on? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I I I don't know. I think that we'll wait to see what sort of um, you know mire they get themselves into in New Hampshire next week. Yes. But uh, I I don't. Well, yes, Robert. If you're watching- you're watching the news. I mean, uh, uh, Marco Rubio is being ambushed in an alley by Chris Christie in New Hampshire right now, all over cable news. So we'll see how that goes. But I was going to say on the Ryan piece that, that it was a closed meeting of the Freedom Caucus for all these leaks about all the junk food. Who knew the Freedom Caucus was for healthy food choices? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yes, yes. They're looking for Michelle to cater the next, uh, can, the next luncheon between the can, two. Can we just? Can we just for a second, Mo Brooks, a caucus member from Alabama, said, quote, what we're doing is like getting a squirt bottle and thinking that's going to stop the Titanic from sinking. That, that doesn't even make any sense. No, no it <laughs> he doesn't. He was on a junk food high. Yes. Well, you know, we uh, always look to Alabama for our analogies. So. And, and Matt, I'm yes? from, of course, at Family's with Conference, very healthy food choices for breakfast. We're talking seal cut oatmeal fruit. Uh, all sorts of raisins, things like that. So, so that doesn't even sound like any fun. Yeah, you're no fun conference. No, that's not right. true. So, Robert, while you're talking about your conference, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your opening speech and um, the impact it left with you uh, at the conference that you were telling us before the show started? Well, the second speech was from the U.S. Surgeon General, who's a very impressive guy, and talked about health and <laughs> healthy food and access to it, but. The opening speech was from Representative Luis Gutierrez, uh, who is, as you know, the congressman from the Chicago area, who's done a tremendous job of fighting for the rights of immigrants in this country. And he's introduced a bill uh, to get, allow undocumented immigrants to, to buy health care uh, under, the, under the Affordable Care Act. I think listeners know 
one of the most mean-spirited provisions Congress put in there during one of the immigration backlashes during the debate over passage was that people who are not who are undocumented can't even buy the insurance if they pay their own money without subsidy. So they're literally denied health care entirely. And so uh, Ripson Gutierrez has a bill to address that and pointed out very effectively in a fiery speech that this is not only a moral issue, this is also a matter of enlightened self-interest, because if we have exclude 11 million people from health care, that affects the health of everyone. They're in our risk pools. They affect health care costs. They're in emergency rooms, uh, very sick because they don't have access to primary care. This doesn't benefit anyone. And so he thinks, and he made a very good case, that health care reform and the immigration debate are very intertwined, uh, because you can see the, the assault upon immigrants and their basic human rights that we see in the immigration debate coming from the right and from conservative Republicans is also part of our, in the health care system, even part of Obamacare. And so I think it was great to see that and to start the conference on that, because that's one of the great unfinished uh, pieces of business in health care reform. And it's something we're going to be working on in Wisconsin. And our organizer, Lou Sosa, uh, who is leading our uh, new Wisconsin New Wave program, is going, to, is going to be organizing around that. So I encourage listeners to get in touch with Lou's if you're interested in working on this issue. There are five states that have extended health care to undocumented children, and we should, we should do that, and then we should build on that and make sure that health care is a basic right, which is what it needs to be in our country as we move forward. So, Robert, and I know you're going to have a blog on that, which we will post uh, up on not only our blog site, but we'll get a link up on the podcast uh, about both the speech and w- where we're headed with this. So with that, um, we want to briefly mention, uh, last week we spoke about uh, Johnson Controls and uh, their f- fleeing the country for Ireland <laughs> and, and uh, the, the learning of the term corporate inversions for many of us. Uh, and we talked about the issue being a difficult one where, for local politicians and had mentioned Russ Feingold for speaking out against it. Uh, and this past week... Senator Tammy Baldwin announced that she will be co-sponsoring or sponsoring a bill to end corporate inversions. And uh, we'll put a link to her uh, discussion on Wisconsin Public Radio. Excellent conversation about that. Um, So shout out to Senator Baldwin for moving very swiftly on that. We're all getting an education on that part of the tax code, and hopefully we intend to keep that and other issues of outsourcing a major part of the discussion uh, going forward in 2016. With that, though, we have a guest, and uh, the guest is uh, someone Robert knows all too well. I believe uh, he used to give him noogies when he was a child. Uh, Ted Craig has joined us, Robert's brother, uh, to talk to us about an exciting new um, project here at Citizen Action uh, that our organizing cooperative has uh, started around trying to hold right-wing radio accountable. Well, first of all, Ted, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us today. But before Robert gets a chance to give you a noogie, let's hear a little promotion on the radioactive event from Tom Hartman. I'm talk radio host Tom Hartman, and I'm really excited about the Radioactive Campaign. Southeastern Wisconsin is long overdue for some progressive truth-telling, and this campaign is designed to make that happen. So I encourage you to support Radioactive by joining the Citizen Action Organizing Co-op. As I like to say, activism begins with you and democracy begins with you. So get out there and get Radioactive. Tag your it. Ted, thanks for joining us, and tell us a little bit about uh, this new project. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, you know, basically, um, 
the idea behind the project is that there's some major structural uh, disadvantages that progressives have versus conservatives, especially in the Milwaukee area. Um, when I look at Milwaukee media, and I'm sure just about everybody listening agrees, it is overwhelmingly dominated uh, by conservatives, especially in the area of talk radio, but not just in talk radio. And so uh, with the organizing cooperative, there are a number of different projects. One project that a number of us got together to do is to finally take on the conservative bias, which disadvantages us in every election, in every legislative campaign, every issue campaign. Um, so the project involves a couple of things. First and foremost, it's about developing a permanent capacity to take on the conservative bias, uh, especially in talk radio. Uh, what we want to do is raise the funds to have a permanent organizer with a, you know, a, an ongoing group uh, that works to address the incredible bias. A um, couple of the ideas that uh, could come out of this, and it could go a number of directions, but the primary ideas are first to um, actually monitor uh, right-wing talk radio in Milwaukee, which um, is not only biased but is oftentimes offensive. Uh, many uh, people uh, on our side have a hard time even listening to Sykes and Belling and Jay Weber and the gang because just what they say just is excruciating. And there's never been an organized effort to monitor what they say and what they do and to take them to task for it. Uh, by specifically doing things like pressuring their sponsors, doing something to force these stations to start to be more balanced and less offensive. The second idea is to actually raise the funds to have a community-owned progressive radio station so that there actually is a real counterbalance to uh, the right-wing media in town. Um, I think a lot of us have been feeling that for years, and there's been many sort of started efforts to get a community-owned progressive radio station that have not gone very far. And I think this is the first uh, serious effort to develop a permanent capacity to do that kind of thing. So um, I should say um, for the listeners that the, there's a kickoff event. It's the first and easiest way to get involved. That's taking place on Monday night from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the Karma Bar on Ogden Avenue in Milwaukee. And uh, people can come and, you know, they'll hear people like uh, Earl Ingram and Louis Fortas, the publisher of the Shepherd Express, and Citizen Action, uh, talking about what we can do here. And I can add, uh, this is new, uh, the Devil's Advocates will be joining us as well. Uh, they talk to host from Madison. Well, this is very exciting. It's, uh, it's much needed. Um, it sounds a lot like, uh, for our listeners, Media Matters. I'm sure a number of folks nationally have heard of them, where they actually track this stuff and then put out very usable things that ex- expose it. Uh, this sounds a step further, though, and where there's a real organized effort to push back in a way that um, isn't scattershot but will be consistent. Uh, it's extraordinarily exciting. Um, and it, uh, I don't know, any other thoughts on that? I mean, I just think, Ted, that that would be... Um, very important because, as you said, people just can't listen to this stuff and and track it and then follow up. And horrific things are being said almost daily on those shows. Yeah, and I think uh, very early when we started uh, back in September discussing this, we all agreed that this needs to go beyond, um, say, just a nonprofit that monitors. That really it needs to be kind of a community effort that uh, includes a lot of coalition organizations and partners. So that really, you know, labor, the environmental movement, education groups, everybody who cares about, you know, improving life in our state uh, come together to work on these kinds of things together. So that's a core part of it. Um, the other part of it that I think goes a little beyond media matters, we can actually get a progressive radio station. 
Um, that's a kind of permanent capacity we need that goes beyond winning any single election or any single legislative campaign um, that just will pay dividends over and over and over in the future. I mean, just looking at any election, say, for example, the Supreme Court election coming up, which everyone's very concerned about, the Supreme Court in the state could go from bad to worse. And I just know what's going to happen is, at least in the Milwaukee media market, Rebecca Bradley, Walker's appointee, is going to get countless hours of free advertising time through Charlie Sykes and Mark Belling and all the right-wing radio gang at WISN at TMJ, and there will be nothing on our side, zero. And we've got to start to develop the capacity in those areas that, that lasts and that really pays dividends in elections and issue campaigns. Well, this this sounds great. Uh, I can I can speak as someone here at Citizen Action. I'm very excited about what the cooperative is trying to organize here and, and being a part of it. So, and we really appreciate uh, that you were able to take the time to join us again. Give us the details again about the fundraiser, and then Ted, before you go, since you are a well-known hater of the furlough, I gotta get a furlough from you. What are you gonna What are you doing this weekend when you ain't monitoring right wing radio? Easy question first. The fundraiser uh, kickoff event is this coming Monday, um, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the Karma Bar, which is on Ogden um, in Milwaukee. I think it's 300 Ogden. Um, and then as far as the furlough, and yeah, uh, not my thing, um, I, I am going to watch the Super Bowl, and I am going to go out to dinner with my wife's side of the family at some place I forget the name of on Saturday, uh, but I also spend a, a chunk of the weekend, frankly, making phone calls about this radio project. Ted, you've already delivered a way superior furlough than Robert ever has. There was no gnashing of teeth. It actually included a social event mixed in with political work. Congratulations. Robert, you need to follow up that furlough. What are you doing? Well, after the Family of USA conference ends on Saturday, I'm going to see podcast listener Aunt Eloise and this action supporter Aunt Eloise in Bethesda, Maryland. Then I'll be back Sunday night. This is a Craig special. Jorna, what what are you going to do this weekend? I am actually going to be judging a horse show. Oh, excellent. Well, that sounds very interesting. I'll I'll be with Ted. I'll uh, Saturday we have canvassing uh, for for Chris Larson in the morning. Looking forward to that. I am actually hoping to get out on the ice on Sunday, uh, doing a little ice riding with my son. So looking forward to it. Good weather this weekend. And one again, before we go, I want to encourage everyone to join Ted and all the other cooperative members next Monday. And want to thank Brian Wildridge, our producer who makes the podcast happen every week. And uh, Ted, thanks again for joining us. Thank you. And we'll see everybody next week here at the Battleground Wisconsin Podcast.